a Highline podcast. We live in a complicated and fascinating world that invites us to dive deep into its intricacies. Exploring the ideas and events that excite, intrigue, irritate, and confound us is how we graduate our knowledge beyond meme culture. Join us over a cocktail as we expand our understanding and share in the beauty we find along the way. I'm Stephen Torna. I'm Kat Dwyer. And I'm Stephen Henning. Welcome to the Whiskey Bench. You have so many Stevens in your life. It's crazy. It's bizarre. I'm drawn (laughs) to them. It's bizarre. Ne- never met a Steven I didn't like. Something hey, broke right. in the Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> There's a surplus of Steves. <laughs> That's great. That's oh, great. I feel like it's not a common name anymore. Like, I-, I haven't met a baby Steve. Right. Yeah. Have you, Henning? Mm-hmm. This is true. Yeah, no, I guess I haven't. Um, I work with a lot of Steves at the refinery. Yeah. But those aren't babes. That sounded weird. Why did you say it that way? I should, full disclosure, I've had two beers already tonight. Nice. Because I'm starting a vacation week, you guys. This is my first night. Well, offer uh, literally, oh gosh, why am I blanking on the mouth? 11 days I don't go back to work. That sounds nice. It's, it's going to be amazing. That's, that's what I want and need. No, yeah. that's phenomenal. And so, you know, you already know I'm going to leave some of this in, but we're we're in it now, I guess. So, hello, guys. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Hello, yeah. We're... This is it. This is who we are. I thought we were in. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for, yeah, the confession <laughs> of my pre-gaming on yes. tape. That's great. Anyone <laughs> listening who may be of child, consider naming him Steve. Yeah. Oh, okay. Solid name. I see. Steven, yeah. I insist that you spell it with a PH. It's the only correct way to spell it. I agree. It's in the Bible, people. Look at it. It is. The other Stephen I know also only thinks you should spell it with a PH. So See? A We're all right. <laughs> there's three people plus my dad. That's four. Your dad's a Stephen too? He is. Holy moly. Yeah, dude. And my dad's best friend is a Stephen, and that's why I was named this. That's why and I was I just named met this. another Stephen at church. He's a oh. PH. Nice. We're taking over the world and apparently yes. taking over Kat's life. You know what? Yeah. I, you know how I've mentioned before how, you know, I'm going to be president or you guys yeah. mentioned that I'd probably be president. Yeah. Yeah. Here's what we're going to do. Steven for president, Kat for vice president. The rest of the cabinet are all Steve's. Oh, I like this. Uh, yeah. What did you say? You were going to make me I'd feel comfortable or something. <laughs> What was that? No, I, yeah. yeah, I was like general or <laughs> yeah. something like that. I'll just be the head of the military. Yeah, yeah, that <laughs> that that works for me. No, <laughs> no, no, no. We'll do. We'll do. We'll we'll get you somewhere more fitting. You can be our press secretary. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeesh. You could wow. be screw that. I don't want that. <laughs> the job. last few, that's for sure. That would be terrible. I feel like you'd be kind of good at it. <laughs> Really? Um, of, that is a really endless... stupid question, so we're not going to deal <laughs> with that. Not, we're not addressing that. <laughs> and my endless optimism. Spin. Like, I'm going to come I'm back to you. Team. Please think about what you just said, and I'm going to ask yeah. again in a few minutes. <laughs> Go yeah. on to the why next person. <laughs> why don't you sit on this? Yeah, it would just turn into a roast, but backwards. I would be up on the stage and be like, you uh, you went to journalism school, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> okay, so I did watch some of the uh, climate uh, summit stuff with Biden ask, answering questions, and he calls on someone and he goes, so-and-so from the Wall Street Journal. And then he goes, wait, wait, sorry. Not not the Wall Street Journal. I can't remember who they were actually from. They're like, yeah, so I'm so-and-so from whatever it is, the Washington Post, not the Wall Street Journal. And then the next person he calls on, like, okay, this time for the... F- from the Wall Street Journal for real. The real Wall Street Journal. Oh, my he gosh. Said all yeah, that? yeah. Jesus. You're like, oh, okay. Alrighty. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you in the back. You're from BuzzFeed, right? Uh, yeah. I'm not supposed to call on you, but. Literally, he's like, <laughs> I uh, was told I'm supposed to call on. And then he says, like, so-and-so from MSNBC. <laughs> and everyone told. in the comments is like, who, what? Call on who you want. You know, it's just funny. He was told he needed, yeah, all right. Which yeah. I understand. That's People say that, but it's like, they've got someone that knows who's going to be there and yeah. who's of what. Well, yeah, they know. Exactly. Of course they know. So people that nitpick on that, I'm like, there's a lot sure. of things you can nitpick on. Yeah, mm. I mean, that stuff's <laughs> not important. But but to be fair, he isn't supposed to like, right, right. <laughs> break, the, what is right, it, break exactly. the third wall. Yeah, like, exactly. Admit. Listen, yeah. my first move as press secretary is to uh, just end cable tv because nice. i can do that that's that's my in my we'll give you that authority okay. and, yeah um depends then, what the next step is this could get a little weird yeah, no listen that. listen i'm gonna start the potus podcast <laughs> oh my god oh that's right you would be our I'm just, I'm just gonna i'm just gonna have the president which is steven torna i'm just yeah. gonna have you podcast as your press briefings honestly i be, like that actually be a pretty good people can submit questions in yeah. advance yeah. Yeah, dude. And I could just be the producer who's like, we have another question from Twitter. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think this is actually would be a beneficial format. uh, User something other like uh, Troll Lord 69. (laughs) Oh, I can't say that on TV. Skipping that question. Um, Next question. Cable TV. So (laughs) yeah, right, right. Oh, right. (laughs) That's my move. Oh, oh. You guys, oh, I'm Lord in vacation mood. I'm loving it. And can good. I tell you, can I tell yeah. you guys, the big reveal is uh, to kick off vacation, I opened a brand new <gasps> bottle of Lagavulin 16. This is beautiful. Joyous God, news. God bless you. This is feels, joyous news. Feels like Whiskey Bench again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yeah. Although to be fair, we're drinking whiskey tonight as well. We are. Okay. Kind of. Tell yes, me about it. Yes, it's rye. It's rye whiskey. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. We are drinking a cocktail called De La Louisiana, number four. Yes, there's many variations. The number um, four. The number four. We've got one ounce of rye, one ounce of sweet vermouth, half an ounce of Benedictine, uh, six of an ounce of absinthe. I did a quarter ounce because I ain't gonna measure six of an ounce. A few dashes of Peshad bitters, and then stir and Strain into a coupe and garnish with a maraschino cherry. I like it. Because I like St. Benedictine, so it's like herbally and honey. Mm-hmm. Again, being a Louisiana cocktail, the Peshad bitters are from Louisiana. French influence, St. Benedictine, French, rye. We went over this before. Louisiana people started drinking a lot of rye after the the grape famine right. in France. Mm. So kind of, and sweet vermouth. It's, you know, pretty st- staple 
Louisiana French influence. Uh, but I do have a little write up that I found from where I got this recipe off of a website called Difford's Guide. Uh, lots of great recipes on there. And then they also have at least some sort of tidbit of history or at least who invented it and usually a date, which is nice. So this is a quote from that website. A cocktail recipe adapted from Stanley Clisby's Stanley Clisby author's 1937 book, Famous New Orleans Drinks and How to Mix Them, in which he wrote, this is the special cocktail served at Restaurant de la Louisiane, one of the famous French restaurants of New Orleans. Long the rendezvous of those who appreciate the best in Creole cuisine. La La Louisiane cocktail is an out of the ordinary as the many distinctive dishes that grace its menu. And that's that. So 1937. Uh, no write up on the menu. I want to know what we're eating along with this delicious beverage. Like, oh, also, can I just say, if your last name is Clisby, please name your child Stephen because I love Stephen Clisby as a name. Anyway. Yeah, Stephen Clisby. That sounds really fun. What happened to the Clisbys? I don't know. I gotta find find that's that sounds like a nineteen thirties name, doesn't it? Or twenties or something. Definitely. Mis- like, like Mr. Like Clisby. The Great Gatsby, the yeah. Clisbys. That classic like early yes. America well not early America. God, what? Earliest <laughs> early twentieth century New York accent. What you know what I'm talking about anyway. That like New England educated high society right. voice accent. Yes. Uh, yeah. Kind of like FTR basically. <laughs> right. That like voice. all of them. You know, that voice. And then that voice kind of evolved into JFK's voice, which was also very distinctive. Anyway, I don't I wish know. I had I'm a soundboard with some JFK clips. Yeah. Ask not. What your country can do for you. That's pretty good. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think that was pretty good. Are we going to get infringement strike? My uh, my energy on Whiskey Bench is a lot different if I drink two beers before and then start drinking. <laughs> I kind of like, I like it. it. I mean, every recording night's your weekend, so. This is very true. Keep it up. Wow. Friday night after work is the best part. I and think. start vacation like like the beginning in, of your vacation listen, it hasn't really started because it's not saturday but like you don't we, do shit and you're not you on your vacation yet but it's <laughs> yeah. like oh well see so the relax. day yesterday i worked 13 hours in the office and then went in early this morning so i even got off early right mm-hmm. and then like i got home i walked the dog i ate some pizza drank some beer played N- nintendo switch and now I'm like in the Goldilocks zone of vacation time where it's like it's only now just starting and right. I can just tell it's great. It's going to be great. That sounds so nice. <laughs> this whiskey is so good, you guys. I missed it so bad. <laughs> it's I been bet. like, what, four weeks or um, a month? Some people longer, might call it. Longer than that. I mean. <laughs> they might. <laughs> yeah, no, it made me sad, but oh, so good. Well, How played. was that first sip when you went back? Oh, I mean. I literally just, my brain was like, you forget words now. Um, sublime. <laughs> let's go with, let's go with sublime. I literally sublime, just I blanked like out. <laughs> what words? That silence was cavernous. That was crazy. All, All the right. little, like, mini Stevens running everything in your head were just yes. like, at a standstill. We're going crazy with this whiskey. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. You know the SpongeBob episode I'm referencing. Oh, I do. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, I don't. Except my <laughs> mine isn't on fire. It's like inside SpongeBob's brain. Yeah. It's just a bunch of little SpongeBob's oh, running around. Like and they're like, out. he's trying to remember something. And they're like, where is it? And they're like searching through filing cabinets, trying to like pull up the memory. And it's funny. That was Things great. Like burn, I... the whole place burns down by the end of it. <laughs> I'm so glad that you are <laughs> referencing an early SpongeBob. I think like seasons one through three is peak SpongeBob. And like, I, I mean, I don't know if I've seen anything beyond that. Yeah, I haven't watched see, it since I was a little kid, but I used to like it when I was like listen, 12 or whatever. Don't try anything beyond season three is what I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> That's true of everything. Like, um, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, see, I think some of the, there's a couple later seasons that are. Are they funny? Real good. Yeah. I got turned off and I kind of stopped trying. That show but lost me after. But the first like, after... six, seven seasons or six seasons are freaking hilarious. Six seasons. I, yeah. I, they lost me after like three seasons, honestly. No, there's some gold. There's some good ones in there. There is. Well, to each their own, I suppose. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, they're still fair. going. Aren't you they? know what show yeah, started bad was bad in the middle and ended bad was Friends. I hate that show. I fucking hate that show too. <laughs> <laughs> Never got into it. I had a roommate that watched it's like really all dumb. of it like twice. Everybody just... always does that, and it's like it's not good. What do you want? It's like cheesy. The humor is really bad. Yeah. Remember when <laughs> at the height of like the woke, the woke crescendo over the summer oh. when people were like, I don't know, it must have Netflix or something like released or may they made a reunion. Yeah. They made a reunion episode to friends. Okay. And then all of a sudden there are all these articles that were like, everybody on friends is white. <laughs> yeah no shit dude it was network television in the fucking like 90s of, right there are a bunch of articles that were like should people really celebrate this i swear to god i don't know how we were going to transition to our topic but that just happened are you really kidding yeah, there you just go. did it what yeah, it was nice it was right nice. so you've been thinking about woke huh yes well so to add some context to what to like to the topic that we're going to discuss tonight. Um, I was re-listening to, or just listening to for the first time, um, our second episode on anti-fragility, which Henning, you were not here for, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Correct. Um, right. So we, uh, towards the end of the conversation, Torna um, shared an example of an African-American man who like single-handedly converted hundreds of clans members and like got them to renounce mm -hmm. their racist thinking. Mm, right. Um, and as I was listening to it, I was thinking, I was thinking about how I, I think it's a fair representation to say that the modern like woke thinking would would argue that it's not the responsibility of the victim to explain how they've been victimized by their oppressor and and like a common sort of black lives matter talking point is that black people shouldn't have to explain to white people how white supremacy reigns and how white people are inherently complicit in that and to some degree i can appreciate that argument uh, you know the the idea that the victimized shouldn't have to take that painful step of like explaining their abuse to their abuser. Mm, mm -hmm. I can jive with that. I, like I get that. But 
historically, American culture has always admired those who are selfless and brave and those who are able to forgive their oppressors um, and to sort of be the quote unquote bigger person. Right. That's Mm -hmm. like a quality that we admire and like uphold. I think the woke response to that would be that those values are the legacy of white supremacy. Right. And and they are a symptom of the system that needs to be dismantled because it's rooted in racism. And so but if that value of of forgiveness is something that we cherish, we do that in part because of our like Judeo-Christian tradition and heritage. And if Christ taught forgiveness, my question then is, is woke theory inconsistent with Christ's teachings? Holy shit. Mm-hmm. So, what say you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so, context here. Was it yesterday you texted us? Yes. Okay, so yesterday, I, this week's been wild. What am I saying? Every week's wild. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yesterday, Kat we should make a like, montage hey, of Tona yeah. saying, this week's been crazy. This week's <laughs> been wild. <laughs> Next week, it's going to slow down. Yeah, it yeah. never does. No, it never does. <laughs> uh, but... Kat texted us yesterday and was like, hey, this is on my mind. I think this would be a good topic. And I think Henning and I both were like, uh, yes, this seems rad. So, at least for me, I'm going into this blind. So, I'm excited. I do know we wanted to potentially discuss some terminology. <laughs> or maybe at least we can work out some sort of definition that we can all work off of yeah because because this the the premise of what i've posed is contingent on us all agreeing on what like woke woke is and what that theory is right Mm -hmm. so yeah Yeah. i think we should um define that so i'm gonna (laughs) shoot from the hip here and describe what i think woke is and then henning i'd like you to maybe do the same and then cat Back cleanup on um yeah cleanup yeah <laughs> so woke is a bit of a buzzword I would say currently it can infuriate people pretty easily when you say it but when I think of woke I'm imagining some sort of some sort of critical theory which looks at basically some sort of contradiction or conflict. And once it observes that, must find a way to, I guess, deconstruct it or eliminate it. Is what I would say woke is when I'm thinking about about that. And maybe we can go into this a little bit. You know, I think umbrella term woke includes things like the, again, buzzword social justice warrior and uh, a certain demographic of people that have maybe share similar viewpoints or at least they get lumped into it like the defund the police group and things like that like they get kind of under this umbrella of woke but i don't know how else to flesh this out would it be helpful to think of examples of people who are not woke and yet progressive or are those synonymous uh no i don't think being progressive and woke is synonymous at all it's not but increasingly people who 
at least in the public eye, who identify as progressive have to pay homage to woke uh, talking points. True. So they true. may not, they aren't synonymous, but I think increasingly there isn't an outward distinction because no one is willing to make that yeah. distinction publicly. When mm. I think of that, I think of uh, Justin Trudeau. <laughs> he tries so hard to be woke. He tries like, so hard to be woke, yet will put blackface on. Literally. Literally. Yeah. So. The nightmare. Interesting dichotomy there, right? But he knows his basis, <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. this is this is the way it is, right? It's like okay, um, if I can prescribe. Um, these certain ideologies, which we're trying to get to the bottom of what those are under the woke thing. It's like, well, I'll, you know, my progressive base will accept me and I won't get in trouble for maybe some of these other things that I've done. And that's something that I would like to eventually in this conversation, which I don't know if we'll get to it tonight, is the um, rules for the and not for me that tends to pop up with mm. that ideology. Now, to be fair, this is something that pops up across the board kind of comes with the territory of being able to make rules but there's a certain hypocrisy associated with it but yeah so D- justin trudeau is someone that i would say is woke and progressive right and then someone like sam harris i would say is not woke but progressive yeah i like that and he's he's definitively anti-woke if his last few he episodes is. have been any indication yeah. Yeah. Uh Jonathan Haidt, I think, is probably progressive, not woke. Mm-hmm. Um who else would be in that vein? AOC is woke and progressive. And then you have some of the more progressive people that try to be woke because they don't want to get booted. I don't remember like the etymology of or, this word. Right. I don't remember the etymology being like be okay, so like the the streams I hang out in, most people use woke as a pejorative now. Did it start as something to be proud of? Yes. Okay. It, and it has evolved over time, too. So, like, right. woke, I forget what year. I want, I think, like, 2000, I mean, relatively recently, right? Like, 2016, maybe? Oh mm-hmm. uh, yeah, maybe fourteen or fifteen. Fourteen or fifteen, yep. yeah. Um, but uh, Erica Badu, Badu, <laughs> right? Badu, yeah. I'm saying her name right. Erica Badu. I, anyway, I, uh, I don't know who you're <laughs> talking about. Again. So. <laughs> she's an artist. She's a musician. Okay, um, okay. She's been around for like a long time, like R and B soul. But um, she, well, it's a part of like african-american vernacular and like that Hmm. and there's like an official like african-american vernacular of the english language that's like literally like an official thing with like terms in it Mm -hmm. and it was a part of that and she sang it was a part of it was a lyric in one of her songs and it and it caught on and i think especially with the election of trump and like the resistance movement and all of that it it kind of spread in popularity like wildfire yeah. Okay. And it initially was meant that you were like, this was like the official definition, alert to injustice in society, especially racism. Mm-hmm. So it kind of had a narrow focus pretty much like solely on race and in particular African-American like racial issues. Okay. And it, as it became more and more popular, 
and became used more widely, it evolved into in sort of encompassing like all of the political leanings of the American left. It kind of got embraced by that community and meant, you know, you're you're enlightened because you subscribe to this ideology mm. and therefore you are woke. Sure. So it's evolved in its meaning. And then it's, and then by the time it reached that stage, then the people who oppose the progressive left started like, then they started using it as, you know, negative term. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. And any more now, yeah. like progressive people I know or, you know, are aware of like on Twitter, even they use woke as like, like that's, that's a bit too far. Right. <laughs> like I, I even hear it used pejoratively by people on the left to describe the people who are even more far left. Oh, really? Yeah. Which hmm. is, which is interesting to me. It's like, which would, which is consistent with people like Sam Harris Jonathan Haidt, right? Uh, Gadsad, like some of these people that are, I would say, progressive. I mean, like a a modern progressive, um, in a lot of senses, but are more referring to it as we're addressing issues in that line of thinking that they see as problematic for future generations. Mm -hmm. Here, um, here's an example: James Carville, who. I didn't know who that was until I read this mm -hmm. article. He's like a Democrat political strategist and he's like prominent. He was interviewed about Youngkin winning the governor's mm -hmm. race in Virginia last night. And he said, quote, what went wrong is just stupid wokeness. Don't just look at Virginia, New Jersey, look at Long Island, blah, 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 blah. I mean this, quote, defund the police lunacy, this take Abraham Lincoln's name off of schools. I mean that people see that. It was uh, anyway, and then he just goes on to refer to it as mm. dumb wokeness and how that's what's like crippling the Democrat Party. So increasingly, these fissures are like growing deeper, right? Yeah, right. And there's right. more and of even a within even within. It seems to be that all progressives, not all, but most progressives are Democrat, but few Democrats are progressive, or you know, however you want to phrase that. I think most statement. are this are. There's a significant portion of Democrats who are not progressive, but right. not few. Mm. Even even us talking about this, it's kind of revealed to me like what I've built an opinion around wokeism, as it were. Mm -hmm. And like, I kind of put it at polar opposites of like, oh gosh, like the worst of far right we see, you know, like Proud Boys or whatever, like. I honestly kind of think as woke as like the polar opposite. And I just think at this point, like those polar extreme camps, like they, they capture our imagination and they capture the news so much because they are loud and violent. <laughs> right. You know? Right. Yeah. I, I really can't think of any people who I consider to be, reasonable and well thought to claim woke as a badge of honor anymore right you know true and that's that is another thing i mean this is a conversation coming from at least cat and i's i mean i use woke a lot and it's because i'm someone that's 
outside of that sphere looking in at it, and I don't know what to call it because it's not just progressivism or liberal progressive movement. It's something else, and I don't know what to call it. So I refer to it as woke, and I'd be interested to talk about some of the ideas that we associate with that, but it'd be interesting to Mm. see someone that is aligned with that to be like, well, obviously I don't call myself woke. What would it be, right? Well, people be like some people still do yeah sure but like you know the antifa people like yeah, they probably refer to themselves, themselves as well woke anti-fascists yeah. or you know it's whatever but you know uh there's certain things that i associate with that that are more than just being progressive maybe it's not more than just being progressive and then trying to find like the far right being just polar opposite of the far left Although they're opposite spectrums, they're similar in very ways, but a lot of their ideologies aren't just opposites. It's very complicated, right? Yeah, it is. Because like something that I associate with wokeism would be like identity politics. Like the best way to identify somebody and to understand somebody is just strictly based on their characteristics. Gender or sex. Um, their sexual orientation, their religion, their skin color, whatever. Those are the most important things. To say that the opposite end of the spectrum is just the opposite, then you have a group of people that say, well, no, that's not, that's not the best way to view someone. And I would say, yeah, that's not the best way to view somebody. Oh, okay. So they're not, I see what you're... Right. So there are certain things where it's like it gets really sticky. Yeah, I would say at the far, other far end of the spectrum on the right end, they're also judging people based on basic characteristics it's the same thing. but and they're that's coming, what they're just coming to different conclusions about what that means and what and should be done and it's very interesting too and yeah. i have a very interesting kind of perspective of this when i see like far right to the extremes of like you know say nazism like i see a group of people that are staring in the eyes as far as like the actual woke movement that are looking at each other and they're spewing the exact same point of view at each other like to a T. Have you, have you ever seen that video about hilarious satire about a, uh, oh God, what is it called? We'll put it in the show notes. It's like how. Uh, I have seen that. Yes. Basically pointing out in jest how much in common like a actual white nationalist racist has with like a progressive woke <laughs> activist <laughs> in their goals and what they're like asking for, you know, which like it, right. it reached a, uh, it escalated to a point where we were, you know, people were advocating for literally separating races, segregating children in school. Yeah, right. And so and like, this is real things that are happening. Right. And, and you have to kind of <clears throat> like, kind of, at least I am looking at this again from the outside and I'm just like, I can't, trying to make sense of it and i'm glad we're having this conversation it's like i I can't fathom it yeah noting those similarities i think is really important um and i think i think like everything you know as these movements reach like a hysterical point yeah then more and more people feel comfortable walking away from it and i feel like we're kind of starting to reach that stage but Mm. but there's definitely a lot of people who would identify as progressives and certainly people who only identify as a Democrat and not progressive who are not down with the woke culture 
but yeah, I mean, it's so pervasive and it's so it's kind of I think the Democrat Party embraced it enough mm-hmm. out of fear of backlash, frankly. <laughs> I don't think Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi give a shit about <laughs> anybody's struggles in the world. Uh, I think no, it was a political so calculation yeah. on their part, right? And they embraced it. But it's one of those things where like it's like the Jacobins, like eventually they'll devour their own. And I think they're realizing. Mm. So I think there's a lot of people within the Democrat Party who don't feel like they can actually like put up a resistance to the more hysterical aspects of their party and of the far left. Um, right. And yeah. with that, you know, again, talking about the the left, and the, like the left and right and the farthest spectrums, that's where, again, I don't know what actually if people actually view this as valid or not, but what I guess I've heard referred to as like the horseshoe theory or the political spectrum is, you know, a very extreme horseshoe. Whereas you go left or right, they start to to come closer and closer and closer. Mm. And I guess you could even consider it a circle. I mean, I'm sure some people do. It's like, at some point it's like the lines are so blurred. Right. You're like, this is really ironic. Yeah. These two groups of people hate each other. But are like the same. And I got to just say, I'm not trying to derail us, but that's where like classical liberalism or libertarianism notes that what we really what really makes us different in terms of our political views is a sense of like valuing like individual autonomy. Right. Mm -hmm. And choice. And then there's other groups, whether they decorate it in L's or R's, they want control and they want centralized power. And that's like, that's the difference between political ideologies. Mm -hmm. But we get distracted with like, with party politics, like, and to your point, there's a lot more similarities on the scary ends of the spectrum than we think. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's okay to use force if you're on the right side. If you're on the right side. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) The messaging challenge of a classical liberal or a libertarian to collect (laughs) a bunch of people who value individualism a lot more to be like, Let's gather together, be a party. It's like, no, we're not interested. Yeah, we're like, in that. no. Like the type of people <laughs> who are to. interested in organizing themselves into <laughs> political know. parties. Yes. <laughs> are the yep. kind of people who are interested in that, right? And that's why yeah, that's totally. why they are what they are. Yeah, yeah. That's that's always been the plight of the uh the quote unquote third party members. But so back to I guess I I kind of think that I'm the kind of person who's I, like, I think I would probably self-identify as progressive, mm-hmm. um, but certainly not woke. It, it, like, I think I align with, you know, whatever worries Sam Harris has and that he's been airing lately on the podcast, um, on his podcast, making sense just because like, I don't, it just, it just feels like the extreme version that we really don't need to go down. And I think Kat, you nailed it on the head where it's like kind of seems like they're all just going to devour each other eventually. And then we can just kind of move on and be like, that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Which this is something that ties into the more woke side of it. We're just going to keep using woke, I guess. But um, you see this in a lot of the political discourse where there's someone in the public view that is, I would say, I look at them and what they say. And they're like, I would be like, well, that person's a bit too progressive for me. Like some of the things you're saying, that's a lot to handle. And then you just go one notch further down and it's like 
that person gets just devoured for something. By the progressives. By the progressives. Sure. And then like the next person. <laughs> That's what we're is, watching play right, out exactly. in Congress. Right yeah, now. exactly. <laughs> and then you're like, that person can't, you know, fulfill the the moral standard that they're looking for or whatever, you know. Right. It is or Yeah, I we like well, we I like a point? scapegoat. We as human beings like a scapegoat. Well, sure. Yeah. You know? Right. That's what I something I, I credit that to. As I was thinking about the definitions of these various terms before our episode tonight, I came across an interesting definition, two definitions actually, for the word liberal that I think yes. is worth pointing out. The first definition is a supporter of policies that are socially progressive and promote social welfare. And then the second definition is a supporter of a political and social philosophy that promotes individual rights, civil liberties, democracy, and free enterprise. Uh. <laughs> because we, because we like change the definition of it here in America. Sure. Right. right. Yeah. So, so right. really the, by the, this definition, a, a liberal is essentially a progressive. Right. In the American. Which I would say in, yeah. in modern discourse, that is probably the most common use of sure. the word which is why now you have people here. that here yeah it, and this is why people have to now be like i'm a classical liberal right the no classical definition of liberal right, right? yeah um so for this mm. conversation i think liberal would be progressive more progressive yeah sure um, you know what's leaning towards some form of like you said social programs um, and then teeters further to actual socialism and then you meet the people in bozeman that are like hey where do you stand and they're like oh um left of bernie but not communist and you're like okay left of bernie but not so confused is yeah. what they are <laughs> henning, henning what were you just about to say uh, i mean to to be fair to them i'm right of bernie and confused as well um <laughs> yeah sure <laughs> Do you do you at all think it's possible that those two definitions could be married in any way and combined to be someone who does care about the individualism and personal liberty and free choice and also deeply care about social welfare and like want to see more people flourish? I think the answer in theory, but not yeah. in depending on what practice looks like. Yeah. See, and that's if we can combine the definition, that's probably the sweet spot for where I'm at right now. But I, I have no propositions on how to make that practical. The The problem is when, when you, it depends on how you want to address social welfare challenges. Okay. Yeah. All right. If you want to use government as the solution, then that's incongruent with free enterprise. Right. Hmm. Or you could argue if you're, if you're on the farther left side of the spectrum and you believe in free enterprise, but you want government to have a heavy hand in regulating and taxing and redistributing wealth. Well, then you don't have real free enterprise anymore. Then you're into crony capitalism. Right. So I think, I think there is a, Depending on how you approach the solution, I think there there kind of is a point where they're not compatible. So government with a medium hand or light hand and. Then you're just betraying 
everybody. (laughs) I know, which is why I've never found a political home. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. No, it's very, very difficult. So, um, I want to, I want to narrow this down a little bit more, uh, talking about the wokeism yeah yeah because we got to get try and focus main question yeah i want to hear i want to focus it into the the christian viewpoint Mm -hmm. right but i think let's just go with like identity politics and uh oppression as like part of the woke ideology Mm -hmm. um part of that being critical theory which is just diving into seeking out like uh disturbances of power or power incongruencies, right? I think there's also a driver there of um, uh, attempting to look at history and attempting to look at the the present with an eye for like, is what we think is happening actually what's happening or is there something else going on that we haven't been able to identify yet? As far as critical theory goes. Because I don't, I, I don't know. I like. I feel like things like CRT have been vil, uh, villainized, and it's like the next talking point in what's motivating people. And you know, the election that happened a couple days ago, and w- will be on the midterms. You know, sure, right. So I think there's two. There's two points to that. You have critical theory or CRT. Which um, is specifically which critical is race we're, theory. We're critiquing. Well, there's critical theory and then there's critical race right, theory. Yeah. Right. So critical theory is looking for power struggles, essentially, and critiquing society, right? It can be used for good. It can be used for bad. Hey, CRT, libertarians love maybe? to do that. I will point that out. What? Oh, uh, point out power struggle and identify it. Right. You know. Right. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I would go so far as to say is good. We do that. Um, right, yeah. All the time. But I guess what what I see with the woke movement is it going to... It's not just like in this vein of like, let's assess history and make sure that we're viewing it right and address the problems. It's going a little bit further left, right? Or further than I would like. Where let's look at like... Uh, Maybe like a anti-racist uh, training, like that you might do for your job. Mm. You have this woke ideology that's saying, "Okay, where might you be racist, or where might you have prejudices?" Okay, let's address that. And if you do, which are good things to identify, at least I believe. Right, like. They are good things to identify, but when the theory gets steps into the realm of is, implying that you are inherently this, racist this because is of where, your... This is where the next oh, step the is. Where it inherently word. Yes. The too far, where it says it's... What? Why are you... You can't just identify that you might have this problem. There's no other option, and there's no way out of you having this problem. Ah. ah. And so the only thing you can do is continually assess and look for where you're failing and it doesn't address how to fix that at least that's how i'm perceiving it mm. um i mean like what what were the anti-racist trainings that came out you know i think of starbucks right was the one that was talked about a lot 
that was at least an attempt to fix the problem they perceived, right? I don't know about that one. Oh, yeah. What was the... Well, like, company-wide, like, every branch, like, the managers had to lead their employees mm-hmm. through, like, a, a... Like, every Starbucks was shut down for a day or two, and they had, like, these seminars that they had to go through. I mean, lots of, like, corporate... Yeah. ...boards have been enforcing this sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. So, at least an attempt was made. I guess, I, I guess, Torna, I'm just lightly well, disagreeing with you with, like... Someone tried something, you know. It wasn't just left out there to dry and be like, well, you're all fucked. We're all bad, right? See, the way I perceive it is that it is. If you're not of a certain, wherever the, whoever's talking, it's like if you're not of a certain fill in the blank, go to identity politics, then this is, this is to your core, this is what you Mm. are. It's not an attempt to fix you, it. It's just you either have privilege and are an oppressor or you don't have any privilege and you're a victim. That's literally divides people into categories. Okay, yeah. that so way. we got the black and, and white. All of our history through that prison. Sure. Right. And Oof. like Ibram X. Kendi, who's like, you know, the darling of the BLM movement. Oh, I would go so far as to say the prophet. <laughs> I think Fair that's enough. a good word too. <laughs> the cult-like so structure going on there. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Completely. Um, this is a quote from him about about how to address racial disparities and actual racism that's left in the United States. Mm-hmm. He says, "Quote: The only remedy to racist discrimination is anti-racist discrimination. The only remedy to past discrimination is present discrimination." The only remedy to present discrimination is future discrimination, end quote. That's an, that is an extreme yeah. and divisive, oh, yeah. and I would argue totally counterproductive and unhealthy approach to resolving the challenges that are left. Mm-hmm. So I don't think, like, I, I know, you know, that the Democrats in the Virginia election repeatedly said, you know, the concerns about CRT are it's a racist dog whistle was their you know thing mm-hmm. that Terry kept saying, which, you know, he like took accepted the endorsement and campaigned with Ralph Northam, who had got caught in blackface <laughs> when he was in college. Blackface and his friend dressed and up as a clan member, like a clan member. Right. You know, and it's like <laughs> anyway. So, again, I don't think Terry McAuliffe gives a fuck about what's happening to black communities throughout mm-hmm. Virginia. I think he was using this to help his campaign and Democrats and the media and and throughout the party, you know, aided him in that. And, um, but I, I think, so I think it's easy to just say like, Oh, to gaslight and say like, this stuff isn't actually happening. Nobody's teaching this stuff. You know, it's, it's, it's not infused throughout, you know, education or corporate boardrooms or, you know, just our pop popular culture, Mm -hmm. like, it is. And people are living it and experiencing it and seeing it. And and it might be emerging in different forms, right? It might be lesser versions or more overt versions or by the book versions, but it certainly is there. And I don't think it's helpful to like, I don't think it's helpful to downplay it or dismiss it. Do you feel like I'm doing I that? Think, I think this thing... Um, no, but I oh, think that is, 
You could say if you think I am. I think, well, I think you're flirting with that idea. And I, I think that's really lot, common. <laughs> As you know. I know you do. <laughs> I know, I know you do. And that's a good thing. But it's just, um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's something that is real and is really has the, it has the potential to like be really harmful. And so we shouldn't let it be dismissed. If you like what you're hearing, the best way to tell us about it would be on Apple Podcasts or on Facebook.com slash WhiskeyBenchPod for Android users. There you can leave us a five-star rating and a one or two sentence review to help others find the show. Thank you to Reagan James for the use of our theme music, The Habit, off her album, Message. Find her work on Spotify and Apple Music. Hello, my name is Dixie Lee, and I am the host of Author's Intent. I go through books and movies and talk about the similarities and differences between them. I just finished up my beginning series where I went through the first book in the Hunger Games, Narnia, and Harry Potter series. If you're hearing this, it means you are just in time to jump into a new series called Disney Classics. We are starting with The Beauty and the Beast. Join me on Fridays to talk about the author's intent. And now, back to our conversation. So here's the question. Here's the question that occurred to me just now. There's the critical race theory, right? Like, commonly ascribed to wokeism or leftism. Mm -hmm. Are there, what are other words that the other parties are guilty of inserting between the words critical and theory? Um, Like, do you think that exists? Like, is there a Republican equivalent throw a word in the middle there somewhere and that is the thing that they can rally behind or even libertarian because like is there a way that a libertarian could be framed as a critical authority theorist i mean i suppose there probably is but it's just not the ones we're talking none of it is i think well it's not something that's being actively campaigned and and the way I perceive Shared. it is a lot of this is really new ideas that are being marketed and presented as like whoever came up with it is coining it as something. So I'm trying to think like when I was reading about this a little bit, like something popped up and it was like something about queer theory. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, great, another rabbit hole that I need to dive through. In the late 90s, this thing came up. And it's an actual thing that someone invented and it probably, I don't know what it means, but like, there's one thing like, and then you, you know, not so much critical race theory. That's more, I think of a, like you said, it's from the other side projecting it, but we know that critical theory is a self-proclaimed ideology. Like critical theory is something, I don't even know who founded it, but it's something that the founder described it as critical theory. And then, you know, you have critical in the sense of that, which is kind of rooted in like Marxist thinking. Yeah. Yeah. And so then you have like the whole Marxist movement and these are branches of that. And so a lot of people are approaching it like, oh, this is Marxist adjacent and we know what happens when Marxists do stuff. Um, So it's definitely a hot topic and it definitely fires people up and it, you know. I think there's definitely critical theories of all sorts of schools mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. thought, right? Yeah. Um, but I think what sets this apart 
And there are probably other schools of thought that aren't being discussed or aren't trendy, basically, <laughs> um, that can have the same negative ramifications. But what is but in the particular case of like critical race theory, um, I think it's the way that it's what it leads to is what's um, so divisive and harmful mm. in okay. my mind. Um, and it's and the 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 conclusions it comes to and the solutions it puts forth, I think, set it apart from potentially other critical theories. But I want to hear what your thoughts are on this idea of whether or not critical race question. theory is something that's underneath this woke umbrella that we've sketched mm -hmm. out. Right. So like going back to the the broader woke category. Do you guys think that the values of that are consistent with Christianity. Can you be truly woke and like an active Christian living your faith? Can you be truly woke? I think with the framing that you gave us early on of like, you know, we have a value of uh, being the bigger person, you know, being able to forgive and move on. And the example being, right a black man being able to talk to kkk members and bring them over to a place of like oh yeah talking to a black man isn't all that bad and we shouldn't be afraid of them and we shouldn't hate them for unsubstantiated reasons right and moving people right like across that divide right um so i think in the framing of forgiveness that's very curious to me that yeah because i think the I think what we've sketched out is like wokeism still kind of represents like the worst version of like you're either with us or obviously completely against us. In which case, in that framing, yeah, I don't think it's compatible at all. Torna, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I would say it's not compatible and expanding on that just a little bit. Woke as we shout out to Marshall. He's giving me a call, Mr. Marshall Logan. He listens. Love that guy. <laughs> hey, he was on No Normal People very early on. You should go listen he to was. his episode. He's a fun guy. He is a fun guy. Um shameless but, plug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> shameless plugging of My other, other people. podcast um, Island Network. Yeah. AO. So looking at wokeism is how we've kind of started to describe it, even though again, I don't I don't feel I'm not satisfied with really how we've worked this down. I, I'm going to have to think about this more, but. And then I want to expand a little bit later on on maybe what values are aligned with like walking with Jesus. But I view wokeism as we have started to discuss as almost uh, an opposite or a perversion of Christianity. Where what I see is a is a view of the world that eliminates the looking inward first and finding solutions for yourself and then projecting that outward to the world. Where I see that the core of it is everything that's going on can be explained by an outside power source that has nothing to do with you. And I think that's very anti-Christian. Whereas this is something that I've been, we just, again, just been learning about this and reading about this. 
a huge part of what I need to do with my Christian walk is to look inward first. And you know, it's the old saying, like remove the plank from your eye before you remove the splinter from your neighbor's eye, you know, and the secular view or this, the secular approach to this would be like Jordan Peterson's get your house in order before you try to fix someone else's house. Part of being a Christian is that inward meditation that coming to an understanding of yourself and your downfalls and that redemptive and beautiful outward presentation that you are called to have um, after such reflection. And I think part of that's kind of displayed in, oh, what was it? Is it the Sermon on the Mount when, or before the Sermon on the Mount when uh, the poor woman comes and washes Jesus's feet and anoints it with perfume. Yeah. It's before he uh, was crucified. Yeah. Yeah. Before he was crucified. And then, um, Judas is like, well, shouldn't we have sold this and given the money to the poor? Yeah. Right. And the way that I I view that and see that is kind of like, it wasn't just like, oh, I really care about the poor. Like we should have done this. It was more of like, maybe we should have sold that and given money to the poor. I'm a poor person and like that, that again, it's kind of like that, uh, virtue signaling. Judas is like virtue signaling in that case Mm. where he's like, we should really do this thing. And then, Mm. and then Jesus goes into this whole thing where he's like, well, yeah, no, we need to care about the poor and we need to do all these things. But like talking about like time with the Lord is limited and, and kind of that self-reflection and the way that I've perceived this story is that like, no, you need to come approach yourself first. And then, and then move outward. And then with that comes the things like the fruits of the spirit are like caring for the homeless and aiding your neighbor and not getting caught up in differences in people and all these things that are the good side of the progressive. That is beautifully put. Mm -hmm. I love this. I think that's a great take. I like. I had never thought of Judas Iscariot being a virtue signaler in that moment, but that's <laughs> that's not a bad way to put it, Torna. I like that a lot. I what I latched onto just in the last few minutes is this concept of like CRT or uh, interpretations of CRT saying that we are inherently privileged equals racist or whatever. The inherently word is very uh, triggering, feels like the wrong word to use in this context. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Use it. The inherently word I have a problem with. Okay. Okay. Sure. Why is Uh, that? Because um, theologically, I have, I've done a, a quite a bit of work with my friends, Josh and Emily on my other podcast, Ravel. Two plugs. I look at me oh. go, man. <laughs> also on the Highline Network. There's the third plug. Thank right. you. Um, go Highline. So I've I've done a lot of work to try and uh, think through the concept of like original sin, mm-hmm. right? And uh, which uh, a rejection of the concept of orig- original sin. Original sin being the the original divine law broken when Adam and Eve ate the fruit 
in the story. Um, typically, that stance is what is considered in Christianity a progressive theological position. Um, which it gets it it all gets very confusing when the same terms like progressive and conservative are labeled political and theological. Um, for which I might recommend we dissected for an hour with Mr. Stephen Torna on Ravel recently. Go mm-hmm. find that episode. It was great. Um, gosh, with the plugs, I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> but I, in the same way that I want to reject the idea that we are inherently sinful at birth because of original sin, mm-hmm. on which is considered a conservative theology to say we are inherently sinful because of original sin, I also want to reject the concept of I am inherently racist by being a privileged white cishet man. Right. Right. In which case I think this is a clear cut, uh, example of that horseshoe theory Torna mentioned earlier, where like this concept of inherently exists somewhere. And you can probably like, Mm. if we're looking at it on a graph, like this horseshoe is on a graph that, the concept of this inherentness to something about us can probably be plotted on the same like X or Y axis. Right. And I just kind of want to get off that line entirely and say like, I don't think I'm inherently anything. I do believe I'm sinful, but that's because I can recognize it in myself. I don't think I need to adopt the belief that I am messed up because I am human. I'm messed up because I'm messed up and I've hurt other people. Right. And I've, made other people's lives worse by my free choices in my free actions. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and in the same way, like what I think what I try to make a charitable, like charitable room for something that CRT has to teach me is to say like, how have you assumed the world works for a black man? in your same city versus how the world has presented itself to me. Right. And I don't think it's inherently because I'm white, but because I am white, I have experienced things differently um, living in the communities I have versus what has historically been like the like predominant black community in the state of Montana is the South side of Billings where where that's a place that I, I feel comfortable going to our friends, uh, our friend Colin's coffee shop that he manages, that he runs um, through a nonprofit. And I've, I feel comfortable being in that neighborhood. But, you know, I, uh, <laughs> there are plenty of people in the, uh, in the south side of Billings that have been racially profiled by the police who have to patrol that area because it's riddled with drug crimes, right? And in the same way, like, they might be equally innocent as I am walking the same streets, but I wouldn't be stopped. And there are, there are events on the books in Billings where innocent black men have been stopped because they've been assumed to be part of a crime that recently happened and that was recently reported. So, and that's not because I'm inherently something. No, I think there's a lot of other, I I, I think that's, I like your rejection of the idea of things being inherent. Um, in, it's very Lockean of me. Things Blank can be inherent. Tabula but... <laughs> rasa. Yes, thank you. <laughs> but um, 
but and I think I think race is a factor right in our like reality unfortunately Mm -hmm. right um and I think but I think there are a lot of other factors that have to be considered when we're looking at disparities between different groups yeah and and that's the Um, that's the other thing that's easy for me to reject is that when we make it just about one thing I'm just I'm mm-hmm. just going to have a problem with that. There's there's of course more nuance right. to what's happening in the world than right. true. And, right. and one of my reasons I, I'm opposed to it is because it tends to be reduced to race. And right. when I see so, the problems occurring and I see solutions for it, a lot of the solutions don't have to do with race. So is that the real or the solutions that are put forth because of this theory are hyper focused on race. Right. And they miss the actual solution. And they, in my opinion, further exacerbate. Not even the problem that people are trying to address, but they, they create a new problem in the huh. process. Right. They right. think they're addressing racism and they're hyper focused on race and it's it's creating racism. So same case, I think uh, people on the left could also be criticized of. I really like this concept of putting different words in the middle of the words critical in theory and see what happens. Because I feel like people on the left could also be guilty of what I would coin as critical capitalism theory. <laughs> so is what our problem is our problem with wokeism is that like the word that happens to be inserted there just becomes like the entire thing that they're about and it's so myopic about one problem they see with capitalism or one problem they see with racial disparity and then they just they it's um is wokeism just a hammer walking around the world assuming that everything is a nail yes yes you did it nice <laughs> does that feel like a fair assessment yeah. Because like I, I feel like completely. different words can yeah. be inserted mm-hmm. in there, and it's like, oh, yeah, okay, I've seen those kind of people on Twitter. <laughs> right. Right. Just remember, Twitter's not real life. Right. I, have to, I have to tell myself that every day. <laughs> Me too. I just sent some screenshots yeah, earlier to a friend, and I was like, I don't get it. I, I'm trying to get it. I just can't understand what this person how often do you screenshot me and text that to people? <laughs> uh, never, never you, never you. This is I just random stuff that pops up. And... Stuff, man. Your tweets are nice because I come across them. It's like angry politics, angry politics, economic updates, yeah. and then like ethics and Henning bri- being like, I like cold soup is terrible. And you're just oh like, yeah, yeah. yeah you're, you're, right my on, latest Henning. tweet. May I read it for you? I feel. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're scrolling economics and doom and gloom, federal politics or whatever, Wall Street Journal articles. And then right. my latest tweet, my right. literal latest tweet is the feminine <laughs> urge to forsake immortal life just to be Aragorn's big spoon when we cuddle in the drafty royal chambers of Minas Tirith. I'm going to have to see this with my eyeballs to get some understanding. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know Standing, what you're I mean, I, I mean, I know everything you said, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah. That- or... Uh, what's the correct eating order of two yellow starbursts, an orange starburst, and a pink starburst? And I said, eat the pink and throw the orange and yellows away because they're trash. Warm them up in your hand. I like the orange. And melt them into a big blob so it's one fantastical flavor. <laughs> and then, uh, anyway, I was just thinking about cuddling with Aragorn and what that must be like for Lady Arwen of Rivendell. 
Um, and that's why I tweeted. Okay. What the fuck are you guys talking hey, man. about? Lord of the Rings. I, God. I am so sorry I derailed so hard just now. Um, <laughs> so, Torna, you screenshotted something of what I have to assume is a wokest tweet and sent it to someone, and yeah, you were just baffled. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like... Or how about- this is why I like having these conversations, because like, I'm trying to like understand... Or on the more extreme, and I don't think I know anyone that would jive with this, but, like, we're not making stuff up when, like, actual teachers are promoting segregation within schools. Right. And they would say if that happens, it's some sort of great victory, and I'm on the outside being like, what about the last hundred years and all the great things that have happened, and, like, well, and also, like, what are you, how are you shaping children's worldviews and minds if you're separating them into categories of oppressor and oppressed at such a young age? You know, you're shattering a child's innocence. And you're and you're you're implanting a seed where they're, they're now seeing. And maybe that's the goal. They're now seeing differences that they probably didn't see mm. before. Right. You know, instead of being like, no, and there are artificial differences, in my opinion. Right. You know, I mean, some some things there are there are symptoms that are real, of course. But I think I think, again, it's about it's about balance. This 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 these ideas go too far. So I think what harmful. it is, is that uh, the feeling of shame and the feeling of guilt is very disempowering. And. If you are if you are given a a theory that says you are inherently an oppressor because of the color of your skin when you were born. I think if you are of the right personality, because we know this about the brains of progressive people and the brains of conservative people is that the, the actual neuronal mapping is different. Um, and different parts of the brain are associated with uh, the, the different levels of emotions we feel. And guilt and shame are two like powerful drugs, right? And if if you are predisposed to respond very well to guilt and shame, I think it it's it's a way to make you feel very small and very feel very disempowered. Whereas, so the the person who is trapped in the guilt shame spiral of like, I'm being told that I ought to feel guilty for being white, doesn't know how to get out of that unless they just do what there they're is told. No way out of it to feel you know uh, like mm-hmm. so it's a good way to disempower people that is, is what, what i'm saying. saying whereas i feel like right. what we might yeah, prize as the the libertarian like empowered you go make a choice you go take responsibility for it you go you know uh be right. the bigger person as you said at the beginning cat like you go forgive first um and in the same way like torna was saying like you go take the plank out of your eye before you uh, address the spec in another, right? Clean your room before you crit- criticize the world. Those those are things that you that come after you've addressed the guilt and shame and either rejected it or internalized it to a point of it inspiring opposite action. And that is not incentivized. No, I think the that that the radical left has gone to an extent where they're now starting to reject the idea of the individual being of value, like blatantly in the insano Twitter world. And like what my friend, (laughs) what my friend in San Francisco tells me, but like, that's, 
Like it's yeah. moving in that direction. And, that's and at the same terrifying. time, I see people on Twitter who yeah. want to completely reject the idea of any sort of community or collective. And I think that's problematic too. Like, of course there's a nuanced balance somewhere right. in the middle that we all have to find that we all have to strike. God, I sound like the guy who's think, like, be but, moderate uh, like me. <laughs> well, I think we have to acknowledge too. And again, Henning, I don't, I'm not implying that you're doing this right now, but like, I think like, yes, there are extremes on both ends of the political spectrum and yes, both are problematic and yes, some kind of happy medium would be optimal. But if we're being honest, I think we have to acknowledge the fact that like the radical left has far more power and influence than the radical mm. right does at this point in our history. And therefore, like, that is why it gets more attention. That is why people talk about it more. I, that is why I, it's the subject. Of I our still feel like I want to argue that that's that might be because that's what's presenting itself. Like the ecosystem of Twitter skews well, that way. If you were hanging out on Parlor, I bet the world would look a lot different. But those aren't people who are running, you know, Coca-Cola and those aren't people who are, you know, in Congress. Those aren't people who are um, in higher education. Right. Like that. There's a difference. There's there's a different level of power where the power is concentrated mm. today. Is in is on the left and the left is not made up of all radicals. But the radicals are loud. And as I said before, they have co-opted the party. We're watching this play out in Congress. I mean, I read conservative pundits all the time where they're basically like, what the fuck are the Democrats doing? Someone has to step in and like restrain the radical left because they are going to destroy the party Mm -hmm. and drive people away. Mm -hmm. And they are. And that's what Virginia's election was about. Virginia's election. And then what was their response? White supremacy still reigns in Virginia. They fucking voted overwhelmingly for Biden and Kamala Harris a couple months ago, yeah. nine months ago. They've been progressive and, for a while. And now they're full of white supremacists again. They elected their first black female lieutenant governor in Virginia. It was once the home of the, it was the capital of the Confederacy. And they just elected their first black female lieutenant governor. And nobody talks about it. Right. Because and, it doesn't fit the narrative. It so that's to my like that is where the power is concentrated in the left. And I we don't I, we have that to acknowledge that. Like that, that is just a reality. So what just so that's what just, just happened, it, Kat, is that I assumed that my experience of Twitter was your experience of Twitter. <laughs> was and, real and life. Also, I assumed, no, yeah. Okay, we could do a whole episode about how I think the internet is becoming real life. Maybe table that for later. That's what uh, I, they want it to be. Meta. Real That's what the lizard yeah. man uh, Zuckerberg <laughs> wants. Like <laughs> Welcome to Meta. Welcome to meta. Anyway, um, so what <laughs> what happened is that I was like, like because we've established it's canonical at this point that I don't think about politics the same way you do, and I do not draw the same lines <laughs> right. and build the same pattern recognition that you have been able to do. Mm-hmm. So when I look at Twitter, I go to Twitter assuming like. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot more Democratic or or left people on Twitter, so I, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm engaging in. Same reason they don't go to Facebook is because my experience of Facebook is the polar opposite, and it's bad. It's um, horrible. So I assumed <laughs> that that must be what you were talking about, <laughs> and you had a very, mm-hmm. very good counterpoint, so thank you. 
I wanted to say and thank you for that. Here's here's another thing about <laughs> wokeism, as far as using that exact example in Virginia. I think that the wokeism that leads to accusing a incredibly successful marine female who is African American to be elected, like they get pushed into a corner and they and they have to blame that on white supremacy. Otherwise the Did, premise of what they're working on doesn't doesn't hold up, right? Right. It, and un- it's it undermines very, their central and premise. It's a very yes. lazy yeah, that's intellectual the, that's, that's the hammer looking for everything sure. to be in It's an excuse because Exactly. Right, what should be is, wow, here's a person that everything we think like this person shouldn't, according to everything we believe, be on the side they're mm-hmm. on in quotes. Right. Maybe that person's more reasonable than we think, so maybe we should engage because maybe this is actually a a normal person that I can engage with. Preach but that's difficult. And so the easy way right. is to say, no, actually, this is some sort of weird internalized white supremacy. Right. And fill in the blank, use some sort of term that the left likes to use a lot about African-Americans that are right of them. Oh, um, right. Yeah. Racist terms is what they Racist terms. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, did you guys notice on Twitter yesterday morning after uh, the news was everywhere about the election results in Virginia and across the country? I mean, it was a repudiation across the country where there were local elections, but um, the hashtag white women was trending on Twitter all day. Okay. And you dive into that. It's the most offensive shit don't I've seen look it at a trending hashtags. Never look at trending <laughs> hashtags. I, I know. I do it. I do it. I do it and I dive in and I'm like, and I have to like pull back out, take a deep breath. But it's horrible. It's horrible. It was a mixture of like black activists saying that white suburban women are white supremacists and and they can't be trusted and they are not our allies. And then a mix, and then the other side of the mix was white women, like, confessing their sins for their race, you know, and, like, self-sacrificing, saying, like, I'm a white woman and I fucking hate white women, too, because we are all white supremacists. I just, I just I mean, atomic eye-rolled over you know, here. I, oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. What people. But, like, that's the, and again, Twitter isn't real life. That's the shame like, factor, though. Exactly. It is. That's the model. And the other thing is, like. I don't even think this needs to be said, but like white supremacists are despicable, right? But every time this kind of stuff gets spewed, those kind of people eat it up like candy. Well, and we're also making that word mean nothing. Right. Right. And so you've got some- And that's a shame because we should denounce actual white supremacy. mm, Right. And we cheapen it when we call everything we don't agree with white supremacy. Like a black female being a Republican is white fucking supremacy. Like that's bizarre. Yeah, you know. So so it all our words. So it also all happens meaning. if you call anything you don't like woke. If you're on the right, it did. It it destroyed it destroyed that word. Right, right. now, to your point, people are are distancing themselves yeah. from even being referred to calling themselves as woke because it's it's been turned into right. an insult. 
So how does that work on the opposite effect? Does white supremacy become a compliment because everybody thinks that it doesn't mean anything anymore? I mean, I don't think that'll ever happen, but like, but yeah, to your point, like the more we, when we overuse these things, they lose their meaning. And that's, that's bad for society right. as a whole, right? Um, one example that I'd like to share from my home state of California, naturally, um, where I think this cultural phenomenon can be kind of the the intersection, to use a term mm-hmm. of the of our time, <laughs> um, of where like captive Democrats and like radical woke philosophy meets with like racial racial issues at the height of last summer when it was you know politically in vogue to make some statement about how you know you were going to address racial disparities gavin newsom floated the idea of reparation payments to black californians and i don't think again gavin newsom gives fuck about anybody i mean they had a black man from compton run to recall him and yeah they called him the black face of white supremacy yeah the la times did right larry elder larry elder yeah yeah Yeah. la times yeah headline yep yeah and um, larry elder the black face of white supremacy so one that's that's where those people didn't lose their job that's where this leads (laughs) to yeah a white woman in a gorilla mask threw an egg at him while he was campaigning and nobody gave a fuck so anyway but gavin newsom proposes this idea of of reparations and the problem is as we all know california never was a a slave state there weren't slaves in california Mm -hmm. and the vast majority of the people who live there one are minorities and two have recently relatively recently immigrated there there's very few people who are like were in my family was in california in like the 1850s but that was like that's that's rare so if that were to be put into practice, you would have largely like Asian immigrants paying reparations to black people who have were whose ancestors were never enslaved in California. But that makes white elitist Gavin Newsom feel like he's doing something for people and he's bowing to the mob that's telling him he has to view everything through this prism of race. And it's just like that doesn't solve anybody's problems, right? That doesn't like ensure that like little kids in Compton get a decent education, right? Mm-hmm. Like that does it doesn't achieve anything. Right. But that's where this kind of thinking leads to. Those are the kinds of solutions it leads to, exactly. and they're totally counterproductive. And here's another example of that kind of thinking. Uh apparently in football they often uh use like IQ tests and whatnot early in a football career and then later in a football career as some sort of metric to understand like if there was some sort of uh, brain damage that occurred through like traumatic injury. Um, But then there was this weird movement where it was like, well, it's racist to do IQ tests. And a lot of the black students that are playing football are scoring lower on their IQ, not because IQ is linked with race, but because they're coming from poor school districts and they're, not getting as good of an education. So they were skewing the scores. But then like there was this weird thing where it wasn't being addressed after their career. So they were 
not getting compensation for injuries. In the name of fighting racism. In the name of fighting racism, where some of these people very well probably had injuries and needed compensation. Right. And like, the problem isn't racism. The problem is like, why, like, how can we fix the the school issue? Or the issue with like, um, wanting to buffer grades for mostly African-American students, right? Because there is a huge issue with education. They're doing away with entrance exams. Right. A certain, you know, they're doing some, some, um, in New York City, they've done away with, or at least it was a proposal um, to do away with, uh, why can't I think of what it's called? Like advanced placement tests, mm-hmm. or what do they call it? Like the gifted and talented program in New York public schools. I was never part of any of those, so. Right, sure. <laughs> I was. But it overwhelmingly favored Asian kids, is what they found. Sure. And 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 that was problematic right and so you know in order to have it skew more towards another demographic Mm -hmm. they've decided to either lower the standards um in some cases or do away with the program altogether right and then and who gets hurt by that the fucking kids the kids yeah the student and the same thing with skewing grades so that someone will pass a, a class you're not helping that person like this these schools have a lot of money especially the progressive schools instead of trying to skew it and and basically just allow people to pass like do everything within your ability to get tutors to offer private time to students that need it to give them more test time empower people to succeed instead of just like turning a blind eye and well and, and stamping it and, it and that's why i think that this this thinking is actually deeply racist because it rejects the idea of like racial blindness Mm -hmm. like that is that's a cop out right Mm -hmm. in their view and and we and and instead we have to view everything through race and we have to acknowledge race and we have to acknowledge that there are differences and that like and those and those differences are the result of systems and i think you can take that thinking so far like it's valid and there's examples of that and then you push it beyond a boundary where it's just deeply racist and it and it and it you and you come to conclusions where people are inherently mm-hmm. in this thinking well it come it come it expresses itself in a way that implies that people think that like certain races aren't capable of things and therefore we're going to just do away with the standard that requires you to be capable of this thing to make sure that this particular demographic can move beyond this threshold right and rather again, than what you're talking the about the lazy route out exactly instead yeah. of investing instead of not instead of thinking that anybody's capable given the right resources but we need to figure out how to fix the resources honestly i mean you could look at this in the education realm and argue that public education has been failing young kids for a long time mm-hmm. and and especially minority impoverished communities and instead of like I mean, they fought charter schools left and right as, you know, as much as they can. Mm -hmm. And and this is almost like a last ditch effort, right? Where it's like nobody has to be. We don't have to change how we're doing things. We don't have to change the administration. We don't have to change. You know, we don't have to actually like discipline teachers who don't deliver. We don't have to hold people to a higher standard. We're just going to lower the standards for our students so that no one can see our failure any longer. Uh, and again, it all goes back to hurting the student, right? Because now you have a student that maybe isn't 
prepared to go to a certain school. They get allowed in. Then there's weird, they get into a ton of student debt. And then they get pushed through. They're allowed to graduate. And then that person gets out of school. They now have a pile of debt and they're unequipped to do what they need to do in the world. Well, if you have this thinking... And the only it's... person that gets punished is the, is the innocent person. The, the, the person that went through school. Right, but I guess if you have this 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 thinking in every aspect of life, then when you get out of the shitty school, you're going to be a, like, if we have like these safeguards in place, right? which won't work, right? Like society will collapse if that's the way things are run. <laughs> but like maybe that's the idea, right? right. Like we have to Im- impose that model everywhere, like up until like, you know. CEO level and then we can just ensure the outcomes that we want that we think are equitable mm-hmm. that some you know third party potty third, third, pa- party. <laughs> third party is determining what is equitable ask but- not what the two parties can do for you <laughs> find out what the third party can do that was, a call that was like Kennedy yeah, mixed with like it was like Bernie yeah. Sanders all the way. Yeah, the a little end. bit. You got some Bernie's <laughs> there. What was pretty good. Wow. Sorry. What a weird punctuation oh. mark to your guys's very, <laughs> very poignant <laughs> thoughts on education. Um. <laughs> yeah, we we actually do need to have a we episode should. on education because it's important. Again, that would be good. And yeah. again, with the the uh, topic we're we're discussing right now, like. It's a lazy way out to to fix or in quote fix these issues this way, um, instead of getting to the to the root of it. Well, thanks for exploring this question with me. Well, thanks for yeah. thanks for bringing it. It brought uh, it gave us plenty to chew on. For something that was so uh, well asked and and specifically about christianity and wokeism we really didn't talk <laughs> nah. about god that much we didn't talk what was, about god what was this cat? like was this like shower thoughts that you total shower thought <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i was i was just listening to the episode and i was like well frankly when you told your story about that incredible man mm-hmm. i i what there was a part of me and i've been because i've observed and heard this message repeatedly there was a part of me that thought like that's not his job to convert clans members, you know? And then the next thought was, but that is an admirable thing. That is a beautiful thing, mm-hmm. right? And which yeah. is and then which is the thing. So to the very beginning of your premise, I agree with people that say that every black person does not have to answer to their lived experience. Right? Sure. Every person but doesn't then, have to yeah. but then yeah. people who choose to should be celebrated like that, right? Like <laughs> they made a choice to right. be like, this yeah. is going to be hard fucking work, but I'm going to do it because I think it's valuable to contribute and to the world. Exactly. And there's this balance here looking inward and things like that. And, and this is a fine line, right? And I think I've mentioned this before. Never, ever do I mean this in the, in the sense of like someone that has faced real abuse and things like that. But like, internalize it and be like okay this isn't my fault right i have the saying that everything's my fault that's not a good thing to project onto abuse right 
don't ever think that right. or prescribe that to anyone <laughs> just to be clear but like it might not be your fault but you can almost always be a part of the solution at least that's how i perceive it like i think when there's depends on what part of the journey you're on when you're at the point where you're out of you're out of harm right well true then there's more of a choice of how you mm-hmm. handle it and great, how you, you great know, distinction evolve from it great point yeah yeah this is a lot of both and it sounds it like <laughs> which i appreciate. much like all topics very <laughs> all right uh, there's a lot of nuance there's a lot of things to discuss right. and there's always asterisks and and footnotes and okay right this except for this exception you yeah. know thank that's, god for, that's life thank god for podcasts right yeah if this was a Absolutely. hot take on fox 5 dc they would have cut us off an hour and 33 minutes ago <laughs> <laughs> yeah give us give us eight years when oh, and on that note uh that was steven and he said all these really horrible yeah. things with no context yeah right. <laughs> like no there's an hour and 30 other minutes of context <laughs> you cut three words from one sentence and two from the other um yeah <laughs> on that note, uh, stay tuned eight years for when Torna can run for president. And then as press secretary, I ban TV and start the POTUS podcast. Yeah. All right. Yes. Nice. <laughs> Some, something to POTUS look forward podcast to. POTUS podcast is supposed uh, to be yes. on the Highline Network, of course. <laughs> because we allow people who work in the government to still be involved in private enterprise without having to rake them over the coals and crucify them. What? Yes. Was that a veiled yeah. topical <laughs> Joe Manchin joke? You sound like such a little... What? From Henning? <laughs> wow. Oh. <laughs> All right, Loved this it. was good. This was good. To that Cheers. I say... Cheers. With my whiskey class. I want to do one, one last closing uh, just footnote here. Mm-hmm. I think we maybe already mentioned it, but just so you guys know, next week we're taking off Henning's going to be on vacation. I'm going to be out hunting for the long weekend, like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I don't know when, Saturday. <laughs> we'll see when I come back. Uh, so we're going to take next week off. Cool. All right. We'll see you guys soon. Thank you for joining us on the Whiskey Bench. If you would do us a favor, please tell a friend about the show in person with a text or by sharing about it on social media. You can join us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Pinterest, all at Whiskey Bench Pod. And don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Remember, always drink responsibly, and cheers to a fulfilled life with all its beauty. Dixie Lee Henning, and this is Author's Intent. You know how you have friends, and sometimes those friends are like, hey, have you seen this movie? And then you're like, well, I I think the book's better. And then you guys get into an argument, and then you stop being friends because of their totally wrong opinions. Well, I liked that feeling so much that I decided to make a podcast about it. So I put in the work, I read the books, I watch the movies, and I tell you the differences between the two, and you know, you can still be friends with that, with that friend who thinks that the Hobbit movies are good. 
they're not, they're not good. But you can stay friends. I'm essentially a mediator in the friend space, you know? I'm here so that you can stay friends with those people, despite their horrible opinions about books and movies. So, you're welcome. Highline Media Network. Artist-owned podcasts by normal people in normal places. 